Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Yeah, that's what it looked like. That's exactly where it was. But it didn't look red to me. It looked tan to brown to me, darker than red. This is all available on a Google image search. So you're welcome. I saw it. More than a khaki? Yes. Like a rust khaki? Um. Yes, but more like, like a muted Nantucket red. Yeah. We, no. No. We were we were getting more to brown. That's what I'm trying to say. We were getting more to brown. Classic khaki. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. We've got to let me just start by saying, and I'm doing this for Howard Feynman because he. It's important to Howard Feynman, and it's legitimately important in sports. Howard Feynman, as everybody knows, is a Colgate graduate. That's right. I have other friends of mine that went to Colgate. I have played the course at Colgate. Michael Beautiful. has played the course at Colgate, Seven Oaks. Played it three or four times in my life. It's a lovely school. Colgate beat Syracuse the other day in basketball. They hadn't done this since 1962. It's 60 years. They beat Syracuse. That's not supposed to happen. We play Colgate. We've beaten Colgate Binghamton. And Syracuse won't even schedule us anymore because they beat us by 40. There's no point. There's really literally no point. So congratulations to Colgate and anybody who ever went to Colgate, which includes Richard Kessler from my high school and Mark Murphy, who played for Washington for a number of years and now runs the Green Bay Packers. Colgate. Okay. Um, Was their AD for a number of years, right? Yes, he was the AD for a while. Mike McGinnis, who I know from Rehoboth, went to Colgate. Congratulations. Small things here. Leaving for PGA National in Palm Beach Saturday for the month of December. If you get brave and leave the attic, come down. We can play around. I have access to the following courses. Trump, PGA, Ibis, Wycliffe, Mirasol. Mirasol's pretty good, I think. Harbor Yacht Club, Marina Sands. Regards, DG. DG's in my life. I can't get... DG's in my life. There's nothing I can do anymore. Now, if he puts Old Palm on the table, you making that trip? Yeah, maybe. You know, if he's he's got access to Emerald Dunes, if he's got Lob Lolly and stuff like that, if we want to go up a little bit, MacArthur would be fine. If we want to go up a little bit to the course that's owned by the guy who owns the Houston Rockets, what's that course? It's about 40 miles north. I'm just not going to know. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. It's really good. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. I can't name it. There's a helicopter pad on it and everything. I played it. It was really good. Yeah, it it was really a nice course. So I would do that. This other stuff on DG's table. I don't know. There's another one. Thomas Keegan, Alexandria, Virginia. This is a long one. You're going to like the payoff on this. First off, I'd like to thank you for years of laughs and DMV weather reports. Since college, I've made my living as a professional actor, and I first started listening to this stinking show during the hours of downtime I had while shooting the first season of Turn, Washington Spies. I played Ensign Baker in season one. On a connective tissues note, despite never having shot a scene together, Ian Conn and I became pals through our work on the show and only found out years later that we were both loyal littles, though he has ascended to big status. So allow me to take this moment to send him a hearty lachiserie. Several years after shooting turn in Richmond, Virginia, I returned to work on a film called Harriet, starring the Oscar-nominated Cynthia Erivo, I hope I pronounced that correctly, and co-starring a young British actor named Joe Alwyn. During a night shoot on the penultimate day of shooting, I found myself in a warming tent with Alwyn and another of the film's co-stars, Omar Dorsey. After Omar commented on how much he was looking forward to seeing his wife when he returned home to Atlanta, I turned to young Mr. Alwyn and I said, what about you, Joe? You have someone waiting for you at home? Yeah, came his terse reply. (laughs) Is she back in the UK, I asked? New York. Okay, then new topic, I thought, as I inquired about who we thought would win the title in the Premier League. On the van ride home that night, Omar tapped me on the shoulder. 
You know who Joe's girl is, right? Taylor Swift. <laughs> Whoops. I can only surmise that Mr. Alwyn was doing his best to avoid becoming the subject of yet another lyric that Michael could rattle off to a bemused Mr. Tony. I had a chicken club for lunch today in my pocket. Car keys, 37 cents, a Bic lighter, and a CVS receipt the length of my arm. That's great. That's great. That's fantastic. Now, I wanted to get to just a couple of other things. The Thanksgiving schedule. We will do a show today and tomorrow, and then we will leave you for a few days. We'll be back next week. We may even do four shows next week because one of the shows will have Mitch Album on. I think the Tuesday show That's right. will have Mitch Album on. So um, we may do four shows next week, but we will allow you to have your Thanksgiving holiday in peace, largely because Michael has said to me, no, no, just stop. <laughs> and, and Michael did not say no. Michael's family, Michael's complete family said no. And again, we have to think about the setup. If you're going to have a full house that's right. and you're trying to wake up early before, no, I don't right. know, a couple right. of grandkids wake up. Wake up. So you're right. You're right. I, I accept And that. you're still hoping that in the 11th hour you can bring out the kit. I might. It'll I be know. packed. Here, here's what I wanted to talk about, though. This is, um, Wilbon and I actually talked about this on the air last week. And Nigel, because he's a tennis guy, will be interested in this. The Australian Open, the first Open of the year, which gets off in about five or six weeks, starts in January in Melbourne. The Australian Open has decided that no one can play unless they are vaccinated against the coronavirus. No one can play. Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, who is the number one player in the world on the men's draw, is famously anti-vaccinations. This does not mean that he hasn't been vaccinated. He has not released his own particular status, but he has gone out of his way on a number of occasions to say that, you know, vaccines should be your own personal choice and there should be no mandates. Well, he's in a situation where he's caught, as I say, between the devil and the deep blue sea because he's going to have to be vaccinated to play. And you say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is he is now tied with Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal for the most majors ever won by a male player, 20. They're not going to play in this tournament. This is his for the taking, one would think. He's won this nine times, more than any other major. He is the king of the Australian Open. Is he going to compromise his principles and get vaccinated and find a way to talk about that? Or is he going to say, you know what, I pass? Yes, he's probably not going to win the French Open. That's not his great surface clay in paris and the last time he was in a major he got beat he got beat by medvedev that's right straight sets in the usa medvedev's 25 years old yeah and Djokovic 34 years old so the sands of time are running out on Djokovic, and as as uh, as they like to say you want to put the hay in the barn <laughs> there's a real chance for him to do it yeah do i think he's the best tennis player ever? no not at all but that's not the point so what do you think what do you think he's going to do I think he will end up playing because of those, as you said, the sands of time against them. Will he steal Antonio Brown's false <laughs> vaccination card? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's going to fly. Will he show in, up immunized? Right. Yeah. I do no, know. No, no, I'm I, immunized. I think I read that the area in Australia where the tournament is being played, I think it's Victoria, um, they have a 90% vaccination rate amongst the population. So they're very uh, stringent about it. And obviously this is another barrier for him, but... Look, if he wants to, if he wants to to plant his flag on the top of the mountain, saying it's me and everyone, and then everyone else after me, then he's got to play it. 
You know, because it's not just, okay, well, well Federer and Nadal are not going to play in this. But the guy, you know, Medvedev, who just beat him in the, in the US Open, Zverev, who just beat him in the ATP Finals, they're yeah. both really pushing up against him along with a few other players. So it's not as easy a path as, as no. it might be. And if you, no. if you skip out on that, as you said, the no. French not his best surface, no. then who knows what happens at Wimbledon. And all of a sudden you look at the year and you're like, well, I, I had a chance there and now I don't have any. And now I'm still stuck at 20 perhaps. He threw one away at the U.S. Open by slamming a ball off somebody's head, if yeah. you remember. Got yeah. DQ'd for that. Yep. That and that was, and that was a tournament you said literally it's his to lose. I mean, Absolutely. there's nobody here who's going to challenge him. So given the lead time between now and when the tournament actually starts, do you think, do you think that this rule will still be in place in that time? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't think that they would have gone to that rule publicly if they had ever. Well, if any you look at the, if you look at the local you. percentages that you're talking about in terms of what the what the local um, rate is for for vaccination, and if you do still have any, I mean, think about this: what's the, what's the natural number that you look at the 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 body of players who is already vaccinated. So if you look at it, you, you already have a couple of outliers that you're looking at and say, this might be the impetus, particularly around the holidays. And with, um, if you look at the way Europe is shutting down in many yeah. big areas yeah. and, and maybe there's a chance that you just get to the point where you say, now we have enough, uh, enough of a percentage that we don't have to have this rule in place. And there's that sort of backdoor for, for his principles to still, to still stay high. But I think if the Australian open went backwards on this, for whatever reason, they would look foolish. Because people would have said, then why did you commit to it in November? Right. Why didn't you hold out? Why didn't you wait to see what the science showed you in late December and early January? I think, again, just because of what Christmas brings worldwide, yeah. that is already one month away. Um, do you want to talk about your solo stove experience? The solo stove was lit. Ooh. The solo stove was enjoyed. Though I think little Bootsy <laughs> went to bed upset on Saturday because he thought campfires were for when it turned dark. And he didn't understand that the whole idea of you know making sure the fire went down safely. So uh, we will light the solo stove again, but it could not have been easier. I have, a few, uh, I have a few thoughts as to why I had a little bit of smoke. And I don't think I let the, the tinder, the dry tinder at the bottom, get hot enough to, to effectively ignite the double burn has to be really hot to try and get that uh, double burn to try and burn off that smoke before it happens and they are serious you have to make sure you're, you're paying attention to the fuel line to make sure it's not going above the second uh air holes so you enjoyed it we enjoyed it we took pictures to send to you and i've yeah. never i've never seen some sadder texts well. and then a more optimistic solicit oh. as he tried to take my dad <laughs> yeah. so said that he would invite me over to his house <laughs> He would invite me to his house for solo stuff. All right, we'll take a break. Michael Wilbon, when we return, I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Vincero ad, and this is their Black Friday sale, where you get up to 30% off site-wide and you get free shipping. That's applied on an entire order. They cover all the shipping costs. It's their biggest sale of the year. You don't even need a code. Like, there's no code. It's just automatically applied. And you go to VinceroCollective.com. This is a new one. VinceroCollective.com slash Tony. Vincero is spelled V-I-N-C-E-R-O. VinceroCollective.com, Tony. If you don't know about Vincero yet, they're a small team based out of San Diego who provide today's most ambitious people with premium watches and lifestyle accessories. They believe in doing things well or not at all. And you can see and feel the commitment to the process right out of the box from eye-catching designs to quality craftsmanship you can feel in your hand. Vincero provides incredible pieces sure to become staples in your wardrobe and beyond. I am one of those people who likes to wear a watch. I have the Vincero watch. Yes. My daughter has a You've Vincero watch. You've gifted the watch. Vincero watch. My son has a Vincero watch. 
His wife has a Vincero. I'm watch. looking at updating my wife's Vincero watch so to the Euros Petite Silver and Caramel. <laughs> With a diverse collection of watches, glasses, wallets, jewelry, and more, Vincero is the perfect go-to for all of your holiday gift shopping needs. Whether you're shopping for a friend or a loved one, a partner or a parent, parent, Vincero has a collection and colorway, that's an interesting word for everyone, making it easy to find a great gift for that special someone. So don't wait until the two-minute warning to get ahead of the gift game. That's a nice line. Now's the time to take advantage of Vincero's Black Friday sale, the biggest sale of the year. Head over to Vincero Collective. That's a lot. VinceroCollective.com slash Tony to check out our favorite picks and to take advantage of their exclusive Black Friday sale for the year's best bargains. V-I-N-C-E-R-O, VinceroCollective.com slash Tony. I've got these things. They're good. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is from Jay Johnson. We have played his songs before. This is a song called On My Way. It's from an album called In Transit, which came out last Friday. It's about driving west, inspired by numerous cross-country road trips I've been fortunate to make. It's meant to describe the youthful feeling of freedom that washes over you on such trips. I wrote, played all the parts. Matty Clouser engineered and drummed in the reprise, and Dre Young mastered. On My Way plays in Michael Wilbon, who's always on his way somewhere and is now in Chicago, having had a birthday weekend, which consisted of three live sports events. You want to rank them in order of how you felt about them? Ooh, um, yeah, the, 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 well, you know, I'll do it chronologically, Tony. I mean, Saturday uh, afternoon was uh, Northwestern's football game at Wrigley Field against Purdue. Um, right. And the, the, the main Which you predicted that, you'd win. You, yeah, you predicted well, you know, you'd I win. Sort of, I, sort of, okay. I, I knew seconds after that prediction it was stupid. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I have okay. never seen I have never seen something at Wrigley Field that existed there for sixty years, and that's live football. When I was a kid, we did not go to Wrigley Field for a Bears game. The, Bear, the Bears played at Wrigley Field from nineteen twenty to nineteen seventy four. So every game, Gil Sayers and Dick Butkus and Red Grange and Sid Luckman and all these people, every game they, Mike Ditka, every game they ever played was at Wrigley Field, not Soldier Field, Wrigley Field. And I had never seen a game there live, never seen a football game there in person. Northwestern played a bizarre game there 10 years ago where they had to use one end zone because they couldn't get the configuration right or whatever. Uh, but I wasn't at that game. So this is the first time I've ever seen a game. More football games have been played in Wrigley Field than any other stadium in America uh, for one team. The Giants stadium had two teams doing it, and so therefore they hold that distinction officially. But of course, Yes, but teams. the New York football Giants for many, many, many years played at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, That's where they played their football Wrigley, games. Not, not, not as many years as no. Wrigley Field because the Bears played more games there than anybody. Right. Any, to this right. day, that's the record. Now, somebody will pass, nobody will pass it, Tony, because nobody's going to use a stadium for 55, no. 57 years. Nobody's going to do that. Th- that's exactly right. Stadiums are yeah. done in 25 to 30 years, so that's no one right. will pass it. No. And so this, it, it was so exciting just to be in Wrigley Field for me and watch Northwestern play. It's not the Bears, but there were people there I would turn to, my friends who were on the board and former players, 
performing NFL players. And I would turn to them and say, did you see Sayers and Butt? Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah. I was 12, I was 14, I was 20, I saw. And it was just such a thrill for me to do that, to sit there. And I, I just turned to Cheryl and I said, more famous people have played on this field than any field except maybe Yankee Stadium. But what Ruth and Garrett played on Wrigley Field, as did Grange and Buckus and Sayers, and 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 every you know, and Bob Gibson, and I mean everybody, every famous person in those two sports played on the on on that field, and it was it was a thrill. And I know people don't want to hear that because they're you know thirty five years old; they don't care. I cared, so that was important for me. And then the Bears okay. yesterday, the Bears just crushed our spirit. Um, I, I, I went to Soldier Field. It was Matthew's choice of a game. Matthew wanted to see the Ravens, who did not have any of their important players. They're all out sick. We're playing a JV Ravens team and could not beat them at Soldier Field. No Lamar Jackson. Andy Dalton no almost won the game for you, right? Andy Dalton came in, yeah. almost won the game. I've and never I'm heard watching. of Tyler Huntley. I've never. I, I swear to you, I, I don't know who Tyler Huntley is. I don't know who he is. Play, he's not the kid who played at UCLA. I don't know. I don't know who he is. No, so I have to look up. he's not the UCLA kid. I don't know who he is. I sit down in the, in my seat. I, Tony, I had I had an honor yesterday. I, I watched in my friend Jim Reynolds' suite. I watched the game with a Hall of Famer. I watched with Richard Dent. And I had oh, but he's your Richard pal. Been friends for a while. But I yeah, watched he's your boy. Wilson and Richard Dent. And Richard Dent, let me just tell you, you think I'm the only one who would like to just drive Nagy to the border and dump him out of the car? You think I'm the only one? <laughs> when, you, when, you're, when you're sitting with a Hall of Fame defensive end who won a Super Bowl on that field by playing on that field, and the most famous defense ever, and Dent just says, yep. at one point Dent says, you know, there's a play that hasn't been run in six weeks. And if this coach will just call a hitch, you call the hitch, you put two tight ends out there, you call the hitch, you throw it to the guy, you throw it to Mooney, he's going to go for 40 yards. That's the deal. And this guy's a dope, and he won't do it. Two plays after Dent says this, they, Andy Dalton throws that, and it goes for a touchdown. And the look on Matthew's face is like, who is this guy? I said, yeah, I'm sure. Says Richard F. Dent, okay? Yeah. He knows more yeah. about defense than Matt Nagy will ever know about anything. So listen up. It was great. Dent was so exercised. It's great. I've done this with McMahon and Dent. And they just, they love the Bears. They exude the Bears. They're at the games. And they just look at you and they just go, I just, can you get this guy out of here, please? Can you get this guy's killing? Mm. And that's what the whole city now feels. And they chanted fire Nagy yesterday. They chanted that, I heard, wow. at the end of the game. I was too busy walking out angrily to hear it. But it was just so great to watch with death and, and Otis. It's just, just, I can't even tell you. And then last night, I, I told you all, I told you on text earlier, I don't care. I can't care what happens in these football games. I can't. Because I need the Bulls to beat the Knicks. Because I need to be able to ride Stephen A. for the week. And I just want the Bulls to win. I am into that now. The whole city's into it. It was great. There were people who went straight from, like me, from the Bears to the Bulls. And they packed United Center. 
And it was like old times. That was like old times. And people, people love this team, Tony. And it's sort of, it's older people. You got, you know, look, Jordan's best work was 30 years ago. And I had dinner, pregame dinner. Bert Urey, who's one of the owners, is one of the great guys in Chicago. Bert Urey is 94 years old. And he invited Matthew and me to be his guest. And another person that you know, he That's invited nice. me to be his guest. Sam. <clears throat> That's nice. Yeah, we I all sure had love dinner Sam. before the game. Well, I know. We all had dinner before the game. We talked about you. And we were just in love with this team, with, with, with DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball and you know, Vucevic is not even playing because he's COVID protocol. But the Bulls beat the Knicks last night with Derrick Rose, who got a standing ovation when he came in off the bench. And a standing ovation, a prolonged one. And I know that Rose is very emotional. He doesn't really acknowledge the crowd in that moment, even though he loves what has happened. This is his hometown. I don't care what went down before it's his hometown. This is not Ted Williams where he's going to be booed forever. It just isn't. So with all of that going on in that stadium last night, uh, packed every seat, it was just, okay, let's hope this can go for a while. Can it go till February? Can it go till March? How long can it be sustained that the Bulls have this team, which I think woke up this morning tied for first in the East with the Wizards, I think. Oh, that's pretty good. I'm glad. So that was your weekend. That's That's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah, plus a couple of dinners, you know, um, dinners lovely. on Friday and Saturday night with Don and Allison, and Jordan is away in college in New York, so Jordan Jordan's no longer, yeah. Jordan's got his own life going on, but Matthew's, Matthew's there. And again, Matthew's weekend. He looks up the schedule. As soon as it comes out, he goes, Dad, two games, one road, one home. So we went to Vegas, and we saw them win that, get that bizarre game when Gruden got fired. We saw them win that game, and then we saw them. should have won yesterday. He's in his Khalil Mack jersey. We have no Khalil Mack. And, no, he's uh, out for the rest of the year. out for the season with foot surgery, yeah. So, By the that way. Was, yeah, you... that was, uh, you know, I'm too old for this. I'm never doing that again. Never. Well, you did it. Never doing. Good for you. I can't do three. You mentioned. I'm not even sure I can do two. You mentioned the Raiders, and I'm not going to make a case that this is important at all in the greater scheme of things. They won a couple of games without Gruden, and they've lost three in a row. And they lost two players to terrible circumstances. Yeah. Terrible circumstances. And they look like a team that may not win again. You know what? They do. They, to they me, look Mike, they look, yeah, they look yeah. like a team that internally you. may not win again. They may well, not win at they, all. They lost that day, too, Tony. They lost the first day of this entire unraveling. They lost that day Just, to a yeah. Bears team that you know was pretty bad, obviously. So yeah, I'm 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 with you uh, on the Raiders and uh, the Ravens. I mean, the Ravens had a JV yesterday. They should feel really yeah, good they, about themselves. Yeah. And, and it, so the two teams, you know, the two teams that that you you think want you want to talk about to some degree, are teams that are now you wonder about the spiral, Dallas and Buffalo. You wonder yeah. about the spiral. Dallas has to play in three days. You know, and usually, I, I and it's a home I don't game. Think it's a spiral. I don't think it's a spiral. I think I. I'm every every week I say the same thing. Nobody's any good. It's fun. It's fun. No one's any good, Tony. And people don't. Well, you know who's good right now? Who? Kansas City right now is good right now. Today, just today, just today. New England today is good. We had Booger McFarland on. We love Booger, and Booger was praising Tennessee. Tennessee. That's the worst. Tennessee has lost to the Jets and the Texans. 
It's unbelievably bad. This season is it, it, it's fun, but it's sort of fun. Any good? And so That's right. I, I, I'm, you know, I, I now I, it's fun. I love it. I'm still going to do what I do every Sunday, and I'm going to do it Thursday and Sunday. I watch every game, not just Red Zone. I watch every. I watch parts of most games, and then I watch Red Zone as well. But I watch games in you know, in in, in partiality. But I'm, I'm transitioning. I'm transitioning. There's a there's a there's a riveting NBA season going on, and I don't care if anybody else cares. There'll be a handful no, you of people care. who care. Yeah, you care. I care. Let me I get care. to one and thing. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm transitioning into that fully now. Okay. Let me, I'll get you out on this. The LeBron thing, which of yeah. course happened in Detroit. Of course yeah. you would have that in Detroit. Um, the LeBron thing, you see it yeah. and you see it and you see it. And yeah. he clips him. I mean, he mm-hmm. clips him in such a yeah. way that I might have gone crazy, too. And that yeah. guy went crazy. I don't know who that yeah. guy is. He went crazy. Yeah. Yeah. He went what nuts. do you make of that? What do you make of that? Good for him. I love him. I agree. But good for but him. But he hit him. Good, good for him to say, no, no, no. No, goat. Goat this. Goat this. Stand there if you want. <laughs> and I, I, I look. Do I think LeBron, I agree with whoever said Anthony Davis. Everybody in the league knows LeBron is a black dirty player. And Anthony Davis played against LeBron longer than he's played with him. And I do not believe under any circumstance that LeBron James was making a dirty play. Was it reckless? It might not even have been reckless. But LeBron has to go the next game, which means he doesn't play in Madison Square Garden. He has to go. And, and part of what the reason he has to go is, LeBron, you're going to be the GOAT? You better take some questions after the game. You better, you better, you better say that even if you go to somebody, you can go to win horse, you can, you can do whatever McMenamin, you can do whatever you want. You better say something. You don't leave that building with no explanation. I even agree. If it's just, man, I totally I, I, agree. I, I, do you guys know me? This is not my MO. You better do that. And this is one reason why he, can, he can't be the GOAT. He's not the GOAT. And He's got to go for one there, more game. He's yeah, got he's got to go, go for at least game. one more. But the other yeah, guy's I mean, got to go for three. Madison. He can go for five. Right? I don't care. He can go five. Yeah, he's got to go. How long does it spend him? But yeah. I think the Lakers' next game, somebody can check this, is Madison Square Garden, I think. Ooh, Adam so, Stern. Adam Silver, think, rather. doesn't. Adam Stern's a better name. Adam Silver does not want LeBron missing the Garden. Well, you that. know what? LeBron has missed the last eight. He's missed eight games previously anyway. And yeah. so... And the garden, you know what? His was going to be full no matter what. The garden, all right? That's right. Because the garden right. and the place I was last night, they don't come to see LeBron, really. They come to see their team. And so I, 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 I do not believe LeBron had any intention. It's just not who he is. But, but I was more offended by him skipping out. Don't send Anthony Davis up there to talk for you. Goat. Yeah. Are you serious? You're the face. No, of the I agree with that. And I so agree that, with that. that just, Nigel says it is. It's at the Garden. Yeah, Lakers Good. at Knicks uh, tomorrow night, seven thirty. If tip. he, no, he's okay. sit. if he is not suspended for tomorrow night's game, then now you know what they could do. They could just say, "Look, we gave him, we booted him. It was a flagrant two. That's what there is. That's all there is." They could say that, and they're and they and the league made light. I don't know who's handing out the punishment anymore. It's not Rod Thorn. I just think it, it would be hiding. If LeBron, again, for me, if LeBron stood up there after the game and said, hey, I was trying to apologize to the kid in live time. You guys know me. I didn't do this purposely. 
then do you know what? It mitigates it. But leaving the building? Uh-uh. Nope. And I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to rip his you-know-what today on PTI. Okie dokie. Then I don't have to. It makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, All right, got, I'll see you, you later. you got to join in. All right, Tom. I will. See you later. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. Take a break. Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated will join us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening, You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here is the Simply Safe ad. If you've ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than now. This week, Simply Safe is giving listeners early access to all their Black Friday deals. I'm just adding parenthetically. I, you know, Black Friday deals on watches, Black Friday deals on security systems. I mean, I just thought it was on underpants. And that's <laughs> no, what I thought it was. It's on everything. 50% off their award-winning home security. <laughs> Simply Safe has everything you need to make your home safe. Indoor and outdoor cameras, comprehensive sensors, all monitored around the clock by trained professionals who send help the instant you need it. Simply Safe was named best home security system of 2021 by U.S. News and World Report, and they don't fool around. You can easily customize a system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations from Simply Safe. These are Simply Safe's biggest discounts of the year. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over $100. No long-term contracts or commitments. It's a really easy way to start feeling a bit more peace of mind. So take advantage of Simply Safe's early Black Friday deals. Get 50% off. It's really good. Your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com/tony. Again, that's Simply Safe, S I M P L I, simplysafe.com slash Tony for 50% off your entire system. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Jay Johnson. This is a song called Home Again. It's the final track on his album In Transit. Describes the exhausted feeling of returning home at the end of an adventure. It was also inspired by the existential dread, love existential dread. It's a great name for a rock and roll band of commuting home in the late fall when it gets dark so early. I wrote, played the parts, Matty Clauser, engineered and drummed, and Dre Young mastered. It's the third of four solo EPs he's releasing this year. It's on Spotify, Bandcamp, and all streaming platforms. Michael, if people like Jay Johnson want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. And what is our Johnny O code? TK Harvest. It's officially vest season, so go check out the Hudson vest. I think they have some new colors for this uh, this year. Wonderful. Maybe a Nantucket red. <laughs> Maybe. Bright green. Um, Pat Forty joins us now, and I had a lot of questions about what's going to happen tomorrow night and who's going to be in the college football playoff. But, but more important than that, to me, and you can talk me off this, Florida fired Dan Mullen yesterday. Dan Mullen at Florida was in the championship game, the SEC championship game last year. His record is 34-15. and 15. Now, I don't know if there's anything with Dan Mullen like they said there was with Ed Orgeron, where he just lost his focus and his off-the-field activities were causing some eyebrows to be raised. I watched Dan Mullen. I'm pretty sure he coached Dak Prescott at Mississippi State. We had him on the PTI show once, and he was charming, really good talker, and not, not a sort of self-indulgent in the way the guy at Mississippi State now is, the pirate, who I was not crazy about uh, completely. But firing, I mean, the SEC fires you so quickly. But in this case, that my eyebrows went up. Not as much as TCU, but I just said, really? 34 and 15 and he's out already? Tell me. Talk to me. 
Well, uh, that is life in the SEC, which is, uh, you know, an insane place yeah. to work. It's also why, yeah. you know, Dan Mullen was getting $7.5 million a year to not end up with a losing record and not go 2-6 and six in the SEC, which is their fewest right. wins in SEC play since 1986. Uh, the, here's what it's become in the SEC, Tony. You can't have a bad season. Not, not two bad seasons, one bad. You can't have one bad season or you go. And the thing with Mullen and the thing with Florida has become, like, when it gets bad, it gets really bad really fast. Like, people just start to panic and give up, and it gets nasty, and coaches react badly. Uh, this is it's almost the same thing happened with Jim McElwain, their previous coach. <clears throat> His first two seasons, he won the SEC East. His third season, they started 3-1. and one. Then they started losing. Then they fired him with a month left in the season. Uh, and this is the same basic thing. Mullen was 3-1 and one in his fourth season. Almost beat Alabama in September. Then starts losing, and everybody's like, oh, we're done here. Uh, you know, you get pounded by Georgia, we're done. we got to fire this guy, and then he's gone. I mean, it's just a, it's become even every bit as bizarre and dysfunctional from a coaching standpoint as the, the – Holy Trinity of bizarre and dysfunctional in the SEC, which is Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn. Florida's now right there with yeah. So many firings this year. I don't recall this. I'm an old man. Maybe I've lost my memory. But so many firings at so many major programs. Is it? Uh, have, uh, do you get the sense there's just more than we ever remembered before? Oh, yeah. In terms of in-season, far more. This is ne- we've never had an in-season bunch of firings like yeah. this, and we're probably heading to a yeah, record number of openings. And it just speaks to the, the 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 money at stake, the desperation involved, the impatience. You know, it's it's just wild to me that last year we were sitting there in the midst of a pandemic, saying maybe everybody's going to get perspective. It's like, <laughs> nah, nah, let's get. No. Let's, we're starting to come out of the pandemic. So it's back to business, not just as usual, but a more accelerated business as usual. And, like, the desperation is incredible to win. Uh, and the in-season firings, I mean, just giving up on seasons as they're occurring uh, is, is just remarkable to me. And I've, had, I've asked athletic directors about it, and they say, well, we've got to get ahead of the early signing period, and we have to get ahead of the transfer portal, because if you have an opening in December or November, then people are just going to be leaving. It's like, okay, but... It's a it's a very strange new world that we're in. That's for sure. And I think we have at least two left. I assume that Miami's going to fire Diaz, and I assume that Texas is going to fire Sarkeesian, right? I don't think Texas is going to fire Sarkeesian. I do think Miami's turning okay. over. Um, the problem is they don't have anybody in place to fire him or to or to hire the next person because they have to fire the right. athletic director. So they got to they got to sort that out. But. I think Sarkeesian, as be- and that's been as big a dumpster fire as anywhere. But it's yes. his first year, and even Texas is willing to let somebody have a second year, I think, because they invested heavily in him and his staff. Uh, so I think we will see Steve Sarkeesian at least start year two. Now he may be the first guy going when we get around to this same in-season cycle next year. The headline off the Saturday games was Ohio State just destroying Michigan State. I hope Mel Tucker got to cash at least one check of the $95 million because they got beat worse this year than last year. They got, I mean, they just got killed. What do you make of that? 
Yeah, they got absolutely destroyed. And it probably unmasked this team for, you know, the, the limitations that it has. And it also says that Ohio State's really hitting its stride and a pretty scary team, and I think one that can give Georgia a game. Uh, but pertinent to, to Tucker and to Michigan State, yes. Uh, now, you know, the the one the immediate 180 on Mel Tucker to referring to him as Charlie Weiss, uh, you know, for getting an extension during the season, the season yeah. and then absolutely collapsing. The fact that they made the Ohio State game a huge game, that they were 9-1 and one and this was a game between two top ten teams, tells you what kind of season he's had in terms of being a coach. Because this team was supposed to be bad. I think the over-under for wins was four and a half. They doubled that just to get to this point. So Michigan State was in a position where they felt like they had to overpay uh, because they don't have the same things to offer as LSU, which was a team that might have been interested in him, and Florida and USC. So, like, how do we compete with them? We compete by overpaying our coach. Uh, we'll see if it works long term. I do. Th- I think he's a really good coach, and I think he's an extremely good recruiter and like builder of a of a roster. So, you know, I expect Michigan State to be successful with him long term. I'm not saying they're going to overthrow Ohio State, which if you're paying ninety some million, you'd kind of like to have happen. But yes. uh, he, he's a, he's going to be a valuable commodity, I believe, for them going forward. Let me stay in that same conference and go very locally. Mike Loxley is a very good recruiter, and he can't coach at all, it doesn't seem. I mean, every time they play one of the good teams, they got beat by 30, 40, 50 points. You know, how long does he stay? Uh, that's a good question, uh, because this has the, been the pattern for him since, uh, since he got to Maryland. Yes, bring in players, get some excitement going, have some early season success. Then when yeah. you lose your first game, the wheels fall completely off and you just get buried the rest of the year. By the end of the season, you have a very bad team. So I I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't gotten any indication that his time is very small. I expect him to be back next year, but I think there will be significant pressure on him next year to have a team that's good past, like, oh, mid-September. Yeah. All right, Oregon gets crushed in Utah. Crushed. It's the Pac-12. Get out of here. Just <laughs> take Larry Scott with you when you canned him. It, it, it's still the after effects spill over. This seems to me guarantees that Cincinnati will be in the playoff. And for all the people who said, um, oh, when the first poll came out, oh, you can't be a little guy, and the NCAA committee is awful, and everybody stinks, Cincinnati's in now, right, Pat? They're in. They beat Houston. They're in. I believe so. I mean, if I were Cincinnati, you know, it's one of those things where you've you've got a winning lottery ticket in your pocket and you're walking to cash it in and you're still looking for the anvil that can fall on your head uh, because <laughs> right. that's, that's right. been the committee with Cincinnati. They're always looking for a way to shaft them. So I, I would have great excitement but also cautious optimism that, that you have now done everything you need to do as long as you win in East Carolina and then you beat Houston. But, you know, is there a chance of a, a you know, a backdoor run by the, a 12-1 and Big 12 champion to, to knock them out? Boy, that would take a lot. That would take a, a whole lot for the committee to do that. And we'll see where, how it looks exactly Tuesday night. But for now, for the moment, like the, the, the groundbreaking scenario of a non-Power 5 team being in there yes. is alive well and should happen. Because you're going to get either Michigan or Ohio State. They're going to be in. Georgia is going to be in. 
If and this is the other question, if Alabama beats Georgia, Georgia and Alabama are in. But if Georgia beats Alabama by seven to ten to fourteen points, and Alabama then has two losses, and Alabama, you know, came very close this past Saturday to losing again, are they going to let a two-loss Alabama team in? I don't know. I, I, I like. I'm not in love with this Alabama team, as you said. They, they, right. they've had some, you know, like Arkansas. LSU, Florida, teams that are not great have hung around all game with them and really had a chance late against them. Uh, they're yes. nowhere near as good as last year. The brand name is Alabama. Nick Saban is, is the brand name. But I, if I'm sitting in the committee room, like I, I would not have had them second anyway. I, to me, it was if I was doing it this week, it's number one, Georgia, number two, Ohio State, number three, Cincinnati, and number four, Alabama. They're at the tail end of this thing, not not in second. So we'll see what the committee thinks. But if a two-loss Alabama team gets in over a one-loss Big 12 champion or a one-loss Notre Dame, there's going to be a lot of screaming going on. But again, so this let me, is why. Yeah. Well, this is why these conferences need to think about expanding the playoffs. Because if you've got four spots, the SEC is absolutely getting one, and sometimes getting two. What does that say for your yep. other conferences? You better give it, give yourself more chances. There is zero chance an ACC team is going to get in there, yeah. unless you consider yes. Notre Dame an ACC team. And this is the most interesting thing to me: is this? Let's say Georgia beats Alabama handily. 14, 17, beats them handily, gives them a second loss, and you say to yourself, that's it for Alabama. Cincinnati is then undefeated. Notre Dame's only lost one game to Cincinnati. Even though you don't want Notre Dame because they lose by huge margins. We God knows we love Brian Polian, but they lose by huge margins in the playoffs. It could be Notre Dame is the fourth team, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there are scenarios where Notre Dame gets in. As you said, their one loss is not a bad loss. In fact, it's double digits at home, but it's to a really good team. So, right. And they have, quite frankly, they've played very well for the last like month. Uh, I mean, the defense is playing great. When getting Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, to leave Cincinnati and come there was a real coup for them. Uh, and they're going to pulverize Stanford uh, this weekend, and yep. they, they will be yep. in the clubhouse with one loss. Uh, you yep. know, I, I think that they, there, there is a definitely a scenario by which Notre Dame gets in, and, and they should feel like they've got a pretty good shot at it. Even though by the end of the semifinal game, they'll be down thirty-five to eight, right? Because that's what happened. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then everybody will be screaming about it, and then Brian Kelly will come on afterwards and say, "We're getting closer. We're getting closer." Um, yeah, but so. yeah, no. It, it, yeah, we'll see that squirrel getting run over by a semi yet again. But it, it, I, you can't, on the basis of a regular season, keep them out on no, you know, prior postseason performance. I don't think. If you're right, if your only loss is to an unbeaten team that's in the playoffs, how can you not be in the playoffs? Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, they, they will have a great argument. And that's, again, I, I just I want to see, does the committee get over its infatuation with Alabama Tuesday night and drop them down? And then what's the pecking order? Uh, five, six, seven, eight. There's only eight teams that still matter. And so, you know, what's the pecking order? It really, does, as you said, it doesn't matter in the Big Ten. Those two teams, one of, one of them's no. in, one of them's almost assuredly out. But then where is Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and how do those teams sort themselves out? All right. Thank you, Pat.
Thank you. My thank pleasure. You. Get yourself a nice holiday vest, Tony. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I got to have. Got 40, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. And this is the policy genius ad. What's easier than opening a can of cranberry sauce? Getting free life insurance quotes with Policy Genius. I don't like cranberry sauce in a can. No, I've never liked it. I love like it in cranberries. A can. I don't like it in a can. If you're looking Great for something to, to do while the family, you like it on a sandwich? Well, maybe with those leftovers I gave you? No, yeah. no. You, they, you get, no, those are pure. Those leftovers are great. No, I'm not putting, not diluting them with cranberry sauce. If you're looking for something to do while the family's running a turkey trot, you can be just as productive by comparing quotes from top life insurers with Policy Genius. If someone relies on your financial support, whether it's a child, an aging parent, or even a business partner, you need life insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. Why? Why do you compare? Because you could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. The licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to help you navigate every step of the shopping and buying process. And eligible applicants can get covered in as little as a week, thanks to an award-winning policy option that swaps the standard medical requirement for a simple phone call. Getting started is easy. First, head to PolicyGenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance coverage you need and compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. I believe that's the Missouri marching band. Just thrilling whenever I hear that. I believe Pat Forty is a graduate of the University of Missouri. I think you're right. I believe so. I'm I not sure you're about right. that. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. We've got the bagels today. Hopefully, we get the bagel sandwiches tomorrow. You can pop on in. Just go to the BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. Well, tomorrow's a travel day, so the bagel sandwiches would have been better for today for Mr. Tony. And that'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, seems I've got to have a change of scene, because every night I have the strangest dream, imprisoned by the way it could have been. Left her on my own, or so it seems. I gotta leave before I start to scream, but someone's locked the door and took the key, and the next line is feeling all right, not feeling that good myself. That's a Joe Cocker tune, by the way. Thanks originally, to our guest. Traffic, originally. Traffic, originally? Yes, but, but Joe Cocker. Joe Cocker. <laughs> That's the definitive version, Joe Cocker. Yes, yes. Thanks to our guest today, Michael Wilbon, Pat Forty. Thanks to today's sponsor, Simply Safe and Shero Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Okay. From Jared Emick in a story in New York, in Queens. While watching you and Wilbon bark at each other on PTI the other night, I heard a third bark in the background. That's right, Chessie. <laughs> I'm used to her yapping away on the pod, but it felt like a rare treat to turn on my TV and listen to a dog weigh in on Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> potentially going to LSU. 
As a loyal little, I suddenly find myself checking in twice a day on a dog that I don't know through you. Not quite man's best friend, but certainly man's best acquaintance. Um, yes, Jesse, sometimes you can hear the barking uh, on the show. It's very cool as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> it is. From Kevin Funkhauser. Sam Huff's passing brought back a wonderful memory of mine when I met him years ago. It was pure happenstance. I'm not sure of the year, but like Mr. Wilbon said, I'm not sure when it was, but I know that it happened. I'd finished playing golf at Kakapon, or I think that's pronounced, State Park near Berkeley Springs, West Virginia. I was heading home and pulled into the McDonald's for food. Went inside, got online. The guy in front of me ordered and his voice was familiar. He sounded like Sam Huff. He had to go stand back and wait for his order as did I, so I'm standing beside him. He wasn't as big as I thought he'd be, but he had a big ring. I just blurted it out. Are you Sam Huff? He says, I always have been. Well, I start gushing about how I'm a long-time fan, and Sonny Sam and Frank fan, and he says, thanks, and he picks up his food. He goes to sit down. I got my food to go, so I was headed out the door. I looked up, and Sam is waving, apparently, at me. I've got the look. Is he waving at me? He knew the look. He yells, come on over, so he invited me to have lunch with him. We sat for probably an hour and a half. My first question was, what are you doing in Berkeley Springs, West Virginia? He was trying to get to Morgantown. I set him in the right direction. He shared many hilarious stories, most not printable. I told him I hated the Giants. He said, nobody's perfect. <laughs> we parted company. As I sat in my car, I thought how great that was to meet a sports idol and not be disappointed. Isn't that fantastic? Sam Huff. Another one from uh, Harry Howell. I enjoyed your conversations with Mike Wilbon and Len Shapiro regarding Sam Huff. He was indeed a legend for his football career, but I wanted to go to Len's closing comments that Mr. Huff was also involved in thoroughbred racing. He was instrumental in the growth of horse racing in his home state of West Virginia, helping create the West Virginia Breeders' Classic in the late 1980s and helping grow the sport in-state from there. The woman to whom I'm related by marriage co-owned thoroughbreds, and 16 years ago on my mother's 78th birthday, one of our fillies, Cross Creek Rosie, won the Golden Gull Stakes at Charlestown. When it came time for the trophy presentation, none other than Sam Huff himself presented it. My mom, who was a big sports fan in general and a Washington football team fan in particular, was thrilled and chatted with Mr. Huff for several minutes. This man, who terrorized quarterbacks, running backs, and receivers, was incredibly nice and engaging. Wish my mom a happy birthday and pose for pictures. Rest in peace, number 70, Harry Howell in Cleveland. Justin Johnson, Arlington, Virginia, not West Virginia, regular Virginia. I'm just curious, when you ran into Cal at the course, did he happen to bring up the time I ran into him at the Verizon Center? I'm sure it was just as memorable for him as it was for me. Maybe brought in the connective tissue of the show? No? It's funny. Here's a, uh, a haiku from Shad. TK's new hero weaponized her memories. Admirable trait. From Patrick Sitter in Sioux Falls. Dear Secret Swifty. I have nothing else. I just wanted to write Dear Secret Swifty. I didn't even know what that, you know, what that meant. Well, it means you're, yeah, you're now, a fan. Um, yeah, I didn't realize. Next, that. next week we're going to do Olivia Rodrigo. Okay, from Evan Rerig uh, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I don't know who that is. Having worked on campus at Lehigh for the past four years, my favorite time of the year is the week leading up to the Lehigh Lafayette football game, also known simply as the rivalry. As tradition, Lehigh students hang sheets outside their windows with funny, punny, and passive-aggressive messages aimed at Joe Madden's alma mater in Eastern Pennsylvania, which would be Lafayette. While some fall flat in their attempted humor, others deliver. Two examples from this year include some sit for number one, laugh stands for number two, and laugh orders their chicken medium rare and their steak well done. Now, I've seen hundreds of these over the years, but for the first time, I was actually stopped and left in awe. While driving past a fraternity house, I looked out my window to see the following words emblazoned boldly in black on a white bed sheet. Wilk drives a Subaru. <laughs> Photo attached. 
I have no idea who Wilk is. And he doesn't show up on Lafayette's football roster. But nonetheless, someone has taken a shot at Wilk in a way that would make Mr. Tony proud. I can only hope this isn't some sort of coincidence and is yet another instance of providing the connective tissue of the show. Perhaps the next time I drive by the frat, I'll shout out a hearty lachiserie and wait a way to response. Go Lehigh. And yeah, here's the big bed sheet for your... Liz was looking up Subarus last night. (laughs) Dave Miller from Tampa. Subaru announced its first fully electric vehicle, the Solterra, from the company. The name is derived from the combination of the Latin words for sun and earth, of course. Now the only emissions coming from this vehicle will be the waft of pretentiousness from the owners. Uh, John Lyle writes me again uh, from the District of Columbia who understands how the water works. I hear you're having issues again with a water provider in another state. Would this be a good time to request that DC Water be the official water utility of the Tony Kornheiser show? From Ashton in Pensacola, I'm catching up on the pod, but you mentioned that the water company still hadn't responded to your finely written letter. They have not. Mm-hmm. A, a lovely letter. A I, and I slight. wrote an email to the DSPC or whatever the Delaware thing is. and Nothing from I them? No, I couldn't even get through. I couldn't even get through. Have you considered the Andy Dufresne? Is that how it's pronounced? Yes. Dufresne <laughs> strategy. That was uh, Tim Robbins. Tim right? Robbins, yeah. Andy Shoshan. Dufresne strategy. Sure, it took him six years to get his books. But I bet you can cut that time in half by skipping ahead to the two letters a week strategy. But if you're not going to listen to me, listen to Red himself. Get busy whining or get busy dying. <laughs> From Gagan. I hope that's pronounced correctly. I know how much you like numbers. Here's an interesting trivia about the baseball season that just passed. There were 1,000, no, 1,818,000, eight, no, 181,818 plate appearances in the 2021 MLB season. One eight one eight one eight. That's one hundred eighty one thousand eight hundred eighteen. That's right? a cool number. Yes, it is. From Keith Marchafava, I'm a loyal little from Philadelphia who loves to see the Eagles get a tiny bit of respect this week. Well, the Eagles won and did great, trending. Yes. Even yes. though they got rid of Zach Ertz, who was also great. Yeah. But even though Utz are a good chip, the best chip is hers. Specifically, salt and vinegar in my household. My mom has a bag for my brother every time he visits from New York. You could also have used wrap snacks produced originally in Germantown, Philadelphia. I guess we like our snacks here in Philly. Is that, have you, you've had hers. Yeah, definitely hers. When you were at school, right? Please give a shout out to our newest little Grace Sheldon daughter to loyal little Justin Sheldon born last month. He had hers down in her hope with as well. Is that right? If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Later, he gets the rebound, passes it to the man, shoots it, and boom goes the dynamite.
Anyway.